Only Three Lads is a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast family, home to some of the best music podcasts on the planet. Visit PantheonPodcast.com to discover more. And if you like what we do on O3L, we kindly ask you to please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the show on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on right now. It really helps us more than you know. I'm feeling kind of basic today. Top five side ones, track ones. Come on in. It's another episode of the Only Three Lads podcast where we take a look at the golden age of alternative music from 1974 to 1999. First of all, welcome. We want to thank you for coming back once again, being part of this community. I am Uncle Greg, and of course, we have the Rockter, the PhD of music, and that is Brett Varga. Oh, vocal warm up. Sorry. Hello, beautiful people. Look at that. Let's get some more vocal warm ups. I mean, for me, I usually do lips to. Wow. Yes. I was I was blessed with a beautiful multi-octave uh, range. <laughs> yes. You can tell right there. That's why you're yes. a guitar player. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you still sing better than me. So tell me, how was your week? Oh, my week was chaotic, but, you know, yet at the same time, it was beautiful chaos. How was yours? Um, Chaos, like always, but that's my business, being in the news, yeah. being a news guy. Um, chaos is what makes it fun. Uh, I would say, at least for news gathering, and if you know a journalist, it's a lot like being in the military. You have months and months of absolute boredom, and then you have a few moments of just adrenaline driving, pumping awesomeness. And whenever there's, you know, not that I crave destruction, but when like stuff is really hitting the fan, that's when it gets exciting because it really makes you feel like you can make a difference and you're doing your job. And yeah. um, so this week, past two weeks with uh, Afghanistan, felt a little bit like that. Um, but uh, So sad. Yeah. Oh, don't even get me started. Being a veteran, it's just bleh. Bleh. We could talk about it all day, but bleh. But hey, we want to focus on the good things that bring us together and not pull us apart. And yes. I bet you that there are people part of ISIS-K and or the Taliban, who if they heard some of this classic alternative music, they definitely would dance to it. I would bet, I would bet there's somebody out there who probably likes the Smiths just like us, but they're on the other side. Well, one thing is for sure, Sharif don't like it. No, no. he doesn't. But what a no, great song. he does not. As I said, that was the second video I ever saw on MTV. Rock the Casbah. Right. Changed my life. Right after Roger Daltrey, Free Me. What a horrible song. I've, I remember this. I remember, yeah, that's exactly right. Have Have you ever gone on YouTube and watched Free Me? Don't. I have the record. Oh, really? I do. I don't know. It just doesn't do anything for me. But that rocked the Casbah. I'll never forget. Well, yeah. Going that's on a different grade. plane altogether. Yeah, totally. But I just remember, because people in my world never knew any of that, really. Not a, It wasn't on Phoenix Radio, and then until MTV came around, and that's when everyone was like, hey, wait a second, there is more to this world than country music and classic, which is now classic rock, Black Sabbath. Much more. Much more. And I connected <laughs> much, much more. more. This is episode 75. I almost said 25. 75. 75. No, that we was a long time ago. 25 a while ago. We're going on two years. Another few yeah. months, it'll be two years since we started this podcast. 
wild. And oh, the places we will go. Yes. So we were talking before the show and Paolo, our friend in Portugal, we hope you don't mind us bringing this up, but he had recounted with all apologies to his wife being on vacation in Spain and wearing his O3L t-shirt and running into a drop dead gorgeous woman who, and I won't even say it in, in Spanish, but she basically said in Spanish, oh, you listen to that podcast too? That's amazing. Isn't that so cool? Uh, that was the coolest thing that I have heard today. Yes, and you see right there, it's like uh, the community just keeps growing and you are connected one degree from somebody in Spain or Portugal who loves the same music that we all love. So I will say, beautiful woman in Spain, if you're listening to this right now, Muchas gracias para escuchando. Yes. My mind has a picture of that woman. I'll bet you there's a lot of pretty women in Spain. Oh, I could guarantee you there yes. are a lot of pretty women in Spain. But this episode 75, we are taking a look at our top album openers. And Brett, mm -hmm. explain to the people why an album opener is so important. Well, you know, this is another one of those topics that appeals to the album nerd in me, which you know I am. Good albums are collections of good songs, right? Great albums are the ones that are carefully constructed so that everything falls into the right place. It's like a great film or a great novel. There's a logical beginning, climax, and conclusion. We've already talked about the closing tracks on an album, so today we're going to flip that around. We're going to go to the beginning of the album. You know, the good and bad news depending on which side of the fence you're on, is that I really didn't get too esoteric today. I kind of stuck to two main criteria. So first of all, they had to be the opening track on an album that I consider to be great. Not just an album where, you know, the first track is great and then it's all downhill from there. We don't want any uh, one-pump chumps here. <laughs> <laughs> and second, I pick songs where you get that feeling when you put the needle on the record or, you know, you hit play on your CD and you know what's going to happen. But it's just such a thrill, just the anticipation of that first track starting and just being taken on the journey that that album provides. So that's kind of where I went. How about you? I was the same way. I had to like it. And I found myself kind of uh, going back to my alternative radio days where I remember getting the album. And, you know, back then the record label would send you 25. You give them away on air. So, yeah. of course, the, the first song, the opener, I would have to like, and the album I'd have to like, but also what it did for the band. You know, I thought mm -hmm. about that, too. You know, like, the, what, if this song uh, took the band to the next level, or there was, there's, there's one on my list that really, um, I guess, brought the band back when they slipped a little bit uh, to me. Um, and oh. so I kind of just went that way. It had to be a great song, great album, great band. Uh, great artist and just went from there and so we'll see what the people think so if you do have some of your top album openers don't forget head over to the Facebook page only three lads hit like hit subscribe hit that bell for notifications and when you do see one of our posts please like and share it and that way we'll build this community because uh, we've already got people in Spain and Portugal we now need some people in Colombia and I want to mm -hmm. do South Korea and maybe, what's another good Southeast Asian country out there? Maybe Vietnam. You know, let's build relations there. I, you know, you're testing my geographical skills. I was going to say, uh, what was the country that we had never heard of that was brought up on the show before? Fleming. Fleming. We really okay. need somebody in Fleming. That would be cool, too. And uh, Luxembourg? 
That's Russia. That's its own country, right? It could be. Could be now. Yeah, that's okay. like Georgia there and used to be part of the red block. Yes. The Russian block and now they're their own entity. Since I am now learning Russian that, you know, that's hitting close to home. Oh, good. See, Georgia. I know a Russian word. <laughs> yes. I'm bilingual. Privyet, comrade. Hey, there you go. Hey. So you want to get started with your list? You want me to start? You want you to start this week? It's up to you. You. Uh, da, I pick. can go ahead and start. Okay. All right. So I'm going to lead with one of rock and roll's great mission statements, the opening track from their 1994 debut album, Definitely Maybe, Rock and Roll Star by Oasis. Everything you need to know about Oasis is really right here in this track. It starts with a loose, stonesy opening guitar bend, and then the loud swagger of the entire band kicking in. Liam Gallagher sneers and snarls in his Lennon meets Leiden nasal voice, complete with his now famous elongated vowels, you know the ones like SHINE! He's the best interpreter of Brother Noel's lyrics, simple, direct, and confident. When Noel writes and Liam sings, Tonight I'm a Rock and Roll Star, you know exactly what they want and how they are going to get it. Not only that, but they believe it, with every ounce of their being from the very beginning, that they are the greatest rock and roll band in the world. And you know what? That's exactly the way it should be. It's the way I felt when I was in bands, and it's the way that every young band should feel. Have every conviction that you are God's gift to music. I mean, maybe get off your high horse after you've made an overwrought album like Be Here Now, but until then, set your sights on rubbing shoulders with giants. It's a fine introduction to an album that follows with 10 more examples backing up why they should be rock and roll stars. Of course, Oasis would be caught up in the excesses of actually being rock and roll stars, which would be their ultimate undoing, but this track is an exciting reminder of just how much bravado and brilliance they had in those days. So, number five, Oasis Rock and Roll Star. Great pick, great band. Yes, thank I listened, you. I've been listening to a lot of Oasis also. Oh, geez. I mean, they were everything to me at the time. Yeah. Them and Blur, they really led the charge for my whole interest in that British rock scene in the mid-90s. So why do you think Oasis never hit it? Like, they were big in, in America, but they weren't, like, UK big. What happened? What do you think was their problem here in the U.S.? Um. Yeah, I don't really know why that was, other than they were kind of at odds with what Americans were listening to at the time, which was still the grunge stuff. And then um, on the other side of it, you had, I don't know, garbage like Hootie and the Blowfish and that kind of just generic corporate quote unquote alternatives. I don't know. I, I really don't know yeah. the reason to that. Well, I remember when they first came out and they were, you know, they were this huge big thing in Europe and of course Oasis. I think uh, there was a recording of the Gallagher brothers fighting and that charted in the UK. Yeah. Wibbling uh, rivalry. Yeah. I that one. And so it's like, then they come here and they have all these great songs and, and, and they did damage here. You know, they were popular, but mm -hmm. it would just seem like they should have been bigger. And then another band that I never understood. Um, I remember playing Suede's uh, Metal Mickey and not yeah. a great song, but then you got Animal Nitrate. You got uh, the Downers. I mean, like, that band downers, should have been yeah. huge here too. I don't, yeah, well, I can't, I still listen to that stuff. They were too British and too artsy i think to really make it in america 
Hmm. So I could understand Suede. Oasis seemed like they should have had a universal appeal. But I'll tell you, I mean, when Oasis was huge riding the wave off of definitely maybe in the UK, I saw them at a small club called Soma in the US on their first San Diego appearance. Sure. And I mean, it was just an electric show. So, I mean, the ability to see a band that really has become legendary in such a small venue is was pretty fantastic. And then the second time I saw them, I had to go up to LA and see them at the Universal Amphitheater. So it was a considerably bigger show. A lot different show than that little one. Yeah, totally. All right. Well, kicking off my list of the top five album openers and could and probably should be number one, but I just wanted to get it out of the way. A song that changed the course of music in the 90s. Uh, The label at the time was just hoping to sell 200,000 copies of the album Nevermind. It sold 6,000 copies in the first week, and the label was just thrilled because this was an unknown band, and they were at uh, they, they, their debut week, they charted 144 on the Billboard Top 200, so the label was just, you know, happy as hell. And then the song Smells Like Teen Spirit, the album opener, hit the radio. I can still tell you where I was where I first heard it. I was on I-5 San Diego heading to Balboa Park because they had the Naval Hospital there with a great gym. That's where I was going. I never heard anything like it. My music just completely flipped. I was like, oh my God, who is this band? I was calling them uh, Nervera. Nervera. Because nobody knew Nirvana. And I remember going into record stores and asking, do you got that Nervera? A uh, new album. They're like, no, yeah, but do we you have, have a this rash, one. sir. Yeah. Oh, all over. I'm in the Navy. In the Navy, where you can catch a disease. So I was, um, you know, asking for that. And they were trying to sell me bleach because, of course, they weren't ready. The label wasn't ready for Nirvana's Nevermind to become the huge hit that it was. And today they had sold over 30 million albums. I mean, Smells Like Teen Spirit was the punch in the mouth that set the stage. I mean, the other four tracks from Nevermind that uh, were on the alternative and mainstream rock charts. Of course, next month is the 30th anniversary of the release, September 24th, 1991 of the Nevermind album, if you can believe that. Um, I just think that this song, this album, this band, you just can't imagine the world without Nirvana, Nevermind, and Smells Like Teen Spirit. So that's why I'm kicking off my list with Nirvana, Smells Like Teen Spirit at number five. Nice, nice. Probably should be number one. I kind of predicted your top five. I'm sure Not in order necessarily, but I am one for five. So it would be interesting to see where that goes. And we've talked about it on the show before. Same thing. I remember the first time I saw that on 120 Minutes in October of 1991, starting my senior year of high school, went the next morning. And apparently a lot of other people had seen it or maybe heard it on the radio because in chemistry class that next morning, it was the talk of everybody in that class. So it's just one of those pivotal moments where you remember exactly where you were when you heard it. And I went through a period of denial, you know, like I loved it at first and then it was just overkill and all the Nirvana wannabe bands followed and I hated grunge and blah, blah, blah. So I denounced Nirvana for a while, I will say as uh, kind of being the ringleaders of all that. And then I grew to appreciate them once again and not blame them for all of the uh, the havoc that they caused to music. 
Well, of course, when 91X was playing that song, I remember when they were going to play a bar in Tijuana. So they were still just kind yeah. of this little band Nirvana with this song. Iguanas. Yeah, and uh, then they went and played there and they ripped the roof off the place and people went That's nuts. Right. But if you were not alive or if you were too young to remember, you've got to realize the impact Nirvana had and that song Smells Like Teen, Par- uh, Smells like Teen Spirit had. It took music where we were in these hair bands and there was a few crossovers like Alice in Chains played on the uh, Ozfest and then kind of became the alternative but music changed overnight. It, it it was like flipping a pancake. It was, do you get what I'm saying? Am I wrong? Yeah. I mean, it really just, it was a left turn and things changed overnight from, you know, she's my cherry pie or, you know, to Nirvana. You, people were wearing leather and police hats and putting lipstick on. And then <laughs> all of a sudden Macy's is selling uh, flannel shirts. It was just, it was a complete 180 within weeks. It was just crazy how music changed so quickly. It's like it started as a blueberry pancake and then you flip it over and it's chocolate chip. Yum. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good pancake. I'm there with you. All right. All right. You're great no, pick. You're number four. My number four comes from a band who had a long history of great opening tracks. In fact, the album that preceded this one contained a lead track called Ezimbra that seemed to point the way to the direction that they would pursue on my album that I'm talking about, 1980s Remain in Light. So yes, if you haven't guessed already, my number four pick is Born Under Punches, The Heat Goes On by Talking Heads from Remain in Light. From David Byrne's opening exclamation of, ah, you know you're in for a different kind of ride. Born Under Punches introduces an album of incredible breadth, depth, and a sense of restless creativity. Talking Heads had previously explored different experimental textures, but Remain in Light sounds like the brave work of a band set on defying the already lofty expectations laid upon them by both fans and critics alike. The musical ambition and evolution of Talking Heads in a few short years is nothing short of staggering. Had it not been for David Byrne's yelps, it would have sounded like the work of a completely different band than the one who had made Psycho Killer three years prior. They work up a groove of Fela Kuti-esque proportions and display a real mastery of the form. The Ekui lead guitar lick worms its way into your brain, Chris France leads the charge on a textured percussion section, and Tina Weymouth's bass funks and pops like a seasoned pro. This is music that lives, breathes, and finds beauty in the empty spaces, and the lyrics go as far as announcing that. All I want is to breathe. Won't you breathe with me? Find a little space so we can move in between and keep one step ahead of yourself. I'm catching up with myself. For the next 35 minutes of this record, they would continue to try to catch up with themselves, but at the peak of their powers, the truth is nobody could catch up with them. So that's my number four, Born Under Punches by Talking Heads. All right. I know you're still coming around, but it's a it's No, a I mean, bit. I was never against them against them, but it's not like one of the, like, most people freak out. I think yeah. I would rather the Tom Tom Club, I'd rather go see them than Talking Heads, just because I think the be I don't know. Maybe, but I don't know. Well, now you'd want to see Talking Heads just to see what would happen. They'd probably beat the living pulp out of each other. You would hope at this point that they would be looking at the zeros on that check and just go, you know what? Uh-huh. I, throughout my life, have worked at places where I had no respect for anyone, but I had a great time going each day and I cashed that check. Hopefully they would just yeah. think that way. But they seem like they get along. 
I mean, whenever you read it, it's never like they still go out to dinner and this and that, but it's just just don't want to make music. I think there is definitely some bad blood between Chris France and David Byrne. That being said, you know, like I follow Chris France on social media and he has such a respect for the body of work that they've created. Could you imagine what that tour would be like? Like if they just went on tour, bring, I don't know, um, how about the Violent Femmes? Violent, Violent Femmes would be great. Yeah. Opening up for Or just have the Tom Tom Club open. Well, that's, that'd be too much. Their throats would be fried. They'd be tired by the end. You know, I want them to yeah. have fun on stage. <laughs> I mean, not to that they can't come out and play a song or two, like every once in a while, kind of like throw that curveball. But I think it would be awesome to see that those guys, even though, I mean, I would go just because it's like one of those bucket list things. A lot of the, you know, a lot of our rock stars that we grew up with, they're passing away. Yeah. So you might get one more chance, you know. And sometimes people just want to leave the legacy what it is now. And maybe that's what David Burns wants to do. And that's okay. And that's okay. But just think if they went out and did a few, do it for charity. I'll bet you everyone would, would, would be all in. Just do it to raise money for whatever thing that they want and go and do, let's just make it an even number, 10 shows. And boom, that's it. This is it. People would travel from all around. That would be the coolest thing. All right, what you going to lay on us for number four? All right, at number four of my album openers, brought back the sound of a group from SoCal, brought these animals back because most fans, like myself, would agree they kind of lost their way in the mid-90s. But in 1999, the Red Hot Chili Peppers brought back those mind-blowing bass lines, funky drums, shredding guitars, and that rap rock vocal style. The album, in 1995, One Hot Minute, sold over 2 million copies. Most people would be thrilled, but after Blood Sugar Sex Magic, One Hot Minute was a letdown. So, of course, Californication came out in 1999. The album opener, Around the World, The Animals with No Shirt and Socks to Cover Their Eons were back. just hear it in there was just classic red hot chili peppers and of course that album produced a bunch of hits like other side californication scar tissue and even though around the world was never a huge hit the core fans and the rest of the world knew that the red hot chili peppers were back and so that's why i'm picking number four red hot chili peppers around the world aha just that bass just at the start is enough to make me pick that song i cannot hear that song in my head i think i know the 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 hits from that ding album, dong, dong, ding dong, dong. Hmm. i was reading that that song they were, it was like they were writing the song and didn't have these parts written yet and so in that song around the world they ding a dong go ding dong 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 and then when they finished the song flea's daughter heard it and said i missed the ding dongs and so then in the last chorus, they left it in, and that's why that's in there. So that's just even more of a story that I love. So they actually that. sing Dingo, Dingo, Dongo, Dingo, Ding Dong? It's something like, I'm sure that wow. Anthony Kiedis does it way better than I presented it. <laughs> but if you listen to Red Hot Chili Peppers around the world, you'll see what I mean. No, don't sell yourself short, Greg. Your Ding Dong is just fine. <laughs> hey, yeah. um, hey, moving on to other subjects, of course. We are on all platforms that you listen to your podcast on. We're on Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, Apple, the iHeartRadio app. But the easiest way to get the Only Three Lads podcast, Brett, is Google. That's right. Just Google us. Google us. That's how easy it is. And then you'll but see any it. platform will suffice. 
Whatever you do, it helps us so much if you rate and review. It doesn't have to be well thought out. You can even say these bozos are a bunch of morons, but somehow I like the show. Yeah, that'd be nice. I would take it. I'll take it all day long. (laughs) Just like our album openers, our top five, that's what we're talking about this week. So stick around. We'll be at number three coming up after this. Hey there, this is Hugo, Hugo Burnham from the Gang of Four, and you are listening to Only Three Lads Podcast. Keep listening. My worst nightmares are playing on stage with the Rolling Stones and there's no kick drum pedal, or the bass keeps slipping forward, or I've got no trousers on, or anything. All it does is sum up that I am not Charlie Watts, and that's a nightmare for me. I love Charlie Watts. He is such an influence on my style. Less is more. He knows how to swing and he sits just ever so slightly back on the beat, which is not a particularly English thing and not a particularly white thing. Just back on the pocket, you know, just mmm. And again, I'll point to Monkey Man that just boom, boom. I have my hi-hat set very high because my left hand is often coming underneath it to do patterns on the rack tom. And it's all from Monkey Man. I love Charlie Watts. I love the Rolling Stones. He is the daddy. And I met him once. He and another jazz drummer, they were doing like a two drummers thing. And I come in and he's setting up his own kit. And I just, I was, you know, I stopped dribbling and managed to get myself enough to get a go. Oh, hello. Um, My name's Hugo. I'm working with, you know, and he said, oh, hello, Hugo. I'm Charlie. It's like, yeah. That's like being hanging from a cross and saying, yeah, my name's Jesus. Lovely, great, and probably the best dressed man in the world. Janie Jones, Clash, from The Clash. Let's get it on, Marvin Gaye from Let's Get It On. Nirvana, smells like teen spirit off of Nevermind. Oh no, Rob, that's not obvious enough, not at all. How about, uh, I don't know, The Beatles? How about Beethoven? Track one, side one of the Fifth Symphony. How can someone who has no interest in music own a record store? Thanks for sticking around. It's the Only Three Lads podcast. We're taking a look this week at our top five album openers. And, of course, the openers are so important. They're what kick off the album. Uh, It it lays the groundwork, sets the tone. Um, And then a lot of people sometimes, if you're at that, remember the listening stations at record stores? Like, we're all worried about COVID and standing six feet apart. I mean, no, no, no. I still, if it's there, I take headphones that have been put on people's ears. Could have been anybody. You don't know where those have been. Yeah. Oh, there's horrible, horrible people, nice people, uh, but they're put them on their heads. And then you listen to like little snippets or sometimes parts of songs to see if you want to buy the album. And uh, usually the very first song comes up. So that's what really gets you into a band, gets you into an album, gets you to buy it. And that's why those opening bangers are so important i'm still picking out the nits from the last time i used one of those uh listening stations <laughs> i kid mine I was kid. zia records and i don't think they really have them anymore because well, i don't pe- know if they do yeah i remember yeah. those as zia yeah but i do miss that because i've bought a lot of records by listening to those little uh, listening stations uh, yeah i found quite a few as well uh back in the tower records days especially wow tower records remember though yeah. boy that's it's one of those companies that was bigger than life, and now <sighs> I miss it. I still have dreams that take place in Tower Records, you know. <laughs> and I just imagine, like, what a glorious thing now that you know. I know physical media is still, I know, waning, but you know there has, of course, been a well-publicized resurgence of vinyl records. And I would love to just step into a tower in this era, but alas, I think 
you have to go to Japan to do that because I think they are the last remaining stores. Things are usually full circle. Maybe so, at some point, they probably won't be as big as they used to be, but maybe a smaller store that yeah. has vinyl because I think that people do like the vinyl. Uh, I don't mind CDs. I like both. Yeah, I mean, I like I'm both. I'm format yeah. agnostic. Give me an 8-track and I'll still buy it. Wow. Grandpa, what's an 8-track? <laughs> well, shit on my knee, shunny. <laughs> let, me t- let me tell you, you'd be in the middle of a song and then all of a sudden it'd fade out and you'd hear a big pop. And then it would go into the same track. Talk about continuity. Whoa, boy. You definitely were too young for 8-track. I was right on the verge. But I remember because some of the, like, the older brothers uh, would have 8-track in their car, I remember, from when I was a little, little kid. I don't think we ever had an 8-track player in our car, but my brother and I, our console had an 8-track player in it. Whenever we went traveling and went through a truck stop, or I think it was Montgomery Wards used to have, on sitting on the counter, they would have a rack of 8-track tapes that they were blowing out for like 50 cents or a dollar or something. So that was how we accumulated our 8-tracks. I've got a pretty nice 8-track collection, I will tell you. Wow, look at that. You are the mm. rockter. I'm something. <laughs> Befitting of the favorite podcast of attractive Spanish women. Yum. All right, so what's your number three of the album openers? I mentioned that feeling of excitement and anticipation when the needle would lock into the groove on a record or you'd hit play on the CD, whatever, and just wait until the opening sounds exploded through your speakers. For a time-worn favorite, you know exactly what's coming, yet you still get a rush when it starts like it's the first time you've ever heard it. So this is a thrill that I've experienced time and time again since I was a wee little lad buying eight tracks. Yes, started with the opening one, two, three, four from I Saw Her Standing There or that just weird chunky chord at the beginning of A Hard Day's Night. So like most things musical for me, it all started with the Beatles. But in the classic alternative realm, there are a few more instantly transportive or heart-skipping album openings for me than this. I don't want to kiss you, I don't want to touch I don't want to see you cause I don't miss you that much Yes, no action by Elvis Costello and the attractions that kicks off 1978's classic This Year's Model. As a 14-year-old in the late 80s who was quickly becoming obsessed with Elvis, no action sounded mean, nasty, fierce, anxious, and urgent. There's no action. There's no action. There's no action. In short, everything that my little teenage head needed at the time. I grew up listening to sentiments like, I want to hold your hand, and with love from me to you. And I wouldn't have it any other way, don't get me wrong, but to hear Elvis snarl, I don't want to kiss you, I don't want to touch, I don't want to see you because I don't miss you that much. Whoa, that's pure attitude right there. And the way the band kicks in like a bunch of speed freaks after the first two lines are spat unaccompanied by Elvis, it still leaves my jaw agape. My first Elvis album was the ambitious, sophisticated pop of Spike, and then I got the 1985 Best Of that kind of served as a primer to his past work, but hearing no action was revelatory for me. Not only that, but it sets the tone for the entire album that moves from vitriolic strength to strength. One of the great openers to one of the greatest, most complete albums of the O3L era, number three, No Action by Elvis Costello. I'm gonna have to listen to it. I know you're a big Elvis fan. I am a big Elvis fan. 
So I may be a little biased here, but it gives me a uh, just a feeling of euphoria like very few others. Wow. So chemicals in your brain are released when you hear it Elvis. Does. He just had yeah. his birthday this past week. 67. 67. Yeah. Wow. It's hard to believe. It's even harder to believe that, you know, even though I came to Elvis, let's say 12 years into his career, he was a mere lad in his 30s at the time when I started listening to him. Wow. And then how influential he is still as a producer and just an influencer. I mean, yeah. he is awesome. He is awesome. He is awesome. All right. Well, coming right. in at number three this week for me of album openers is another banger of early alternative radio. Now, the song incorporated psychedelic sounds with metal, punk, indie, classic rock, and it made, I know at least me, want to drink and break things. So that's kind of my criteria for a great song. <laughs> but in 1993, Smashing Pumpkins, they released Siamese Dream, Cherub Rock, a masterpiece that I'm sure has damaged many ears since it's released 28 years ago. I mean, it not only set the tone for the album Siamese Dream, but really that song set the tone for Smashing Pumpkins throughout their heyday in the 90s. Yeah, today that song is third on the album of Siamese Dream and really took Smashing Pumpkins to worldwide fame. But Cherub Rock, that sets the tone. And I remember playing that thinking, man, this is great. And it took me back to Gish, their first album. Um, but I'll tell you what, uh, great song. Uh, you know, and, and then you listen to the dark lyrics of the different uh, songs on this album. But Cherub Rock, number three, best album opener for me. like where you're going to this list i do know that song but i'm not overly familiar with smashing pumpkins catalog other than what was played on the radio i know that one actually was, yeah. was played on the radio but uh you know i like where you're going because you are kind of challenging the conventional wisdom that by the 90s the album had kind of lost steam as a as a complete statement well i guess that's where you know because i started in radio at that time my, my first day in radio was Maybe May 12th, 1993, because I know May 13th was the Friday and it was the first Z-Rock Fest. And yeah. uh, that's when I remember um, being there. And then uh, Zo uh, White Zombie was the headliner Friday. Then on Saturday was Edge Fest. It's the only time I have talked to Johnny Resnick from the Goo Goo Dolls. Oh. I had to get him back in because he walked out with somebody in the wall of me, uh, you know, <laughs> bouncer guys. Like, you can't come in. He's like, but I got to get on stage. I think I've told that story. You have, but it never, never ceases to thrill. He said, thanks, man. So he actually talked to me one time. And then that's it. And then um, being on stage, uh, Stone Temple Pilots, because we know we get those monsoon storms here. The monsoon yep. storm came in, and they hadn't even played their really one big hit at that time, which was sex type thing. And uh, I just remember them being up on stage. And uh, Scott Whelan, Wyland. Yeah. Let's call the whole thing off. Which one is it? I think it's Wyland, right? I think it's... Well, uh, maybe. You're say Wyland? I don't know. I was, I was you hear it both ways. But yeah. anyways, I remember him up on stage. We don't care about this rain. Who cares? You wrote it for another song. And then he grabs the mic, kind of pulls it away from his body. Get me off this effing stage. <laughs> and then they had it. But it was. It was a gully washer. And uh, But that's what I remember. And so that's when I kind of started picking up my list was because of that. And then I think that there, there was a lot of great albums in the 90s. There just was. Uh, yeah. It was just kind of this wave of alternative music that I think 
you know, a lot of bands, you know, got uh, connected with their singles more than their albums, but um, there was a lot of great music and it's still great today. I mean, it doesn't even age really for, uh, for me, like that Cherub Rock, it doesn't, it sounds as fresh, that guitar. Oh, sure. Uh, the, you know, just that crunch and the way they use, you know, metal, classic rock, Smashing Pumpkins. And then they got a little bit softer, you know, 1979 and put Melancholy. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. but they were a great band that just kept out putting out great stuff. If they could just get along, but you know, bands, money, ego, it all goes into the mix and the soup gets real crappy after a while. So to, to, to make a long story even longer, I guess we could always edit that out. But yeah, no. um, there's a lot of great album stuff out there. And I just there think will not be it. a minute of this edited out. Oh, geez, please let there By be. golly. Wheelin, right. Wyland, Ocasic, Ocasic, let's Ocasic. call the whole thing off. There you go. Thank you. What's your number Multi-octave two? Multi-octave voice. That was. <laughs> Not even pitchy, dog. Hope you don't have any glasses near. No, break them. That'd be awesome. <laughs> All right. Ready for number two, I believe. Yes, sir. Okay, so think about iconic album openers of the O3L era. Go ahead. We'll wait. Okay, we're not going to wait anymore. Well, I had a couple of very iconic tracks penciled into my number two slot. And rather than to bump something else off my list, I'll go ahead and give an honorable mention right here and now to the shot heard around the punk rock world Blitzkrieg Bop by Ramones with its familiar Hey Ho, Let's Go opening salvo. But instead, I have chosen another punk rock call to action off of the 1979 album of the same name, the Clash's London Calling. There's an incredible urgency in the way the guitar slashes, Paul Simonon's bass slinks, and Topper Heaton's drums pound. And that sense of urgency gels with the message perfectly. The opening lyrics are as unsettling and desperate as the World War II government announcements that gave the song its title. London calling to the faraway towns Now war is declared and battle come down well, they sure didn't take much time getting to the point, but it's not just polemical and they don't claim to have all the answers. Don't look to us. Phony Beatlemania has been the dust. Now, that's not an attack on the heroes of the past, but more so of a statement of the present or the present at that time. We live in a culture who tends to put pop stars on a pedestal and look to them like they have things all figured out more than the rest of us schlubs. The tides had turned in the late 70s. As brilliant as it was, this was just real music made by real people who tried to be as honest and unassuming as possible. To the imitation zone, forget it, brother, you can go in alone. London calling to the zombies of death, quit holding out and draw another breath. And then in true British fashion, they still know the stiff upper lip regime will just politely shake it all off. After all this, won't you give me a smile? And then as soon as the song ends in a haze of SOS Morse code, it rips into a blast of rock and roll's past with a cover of Vince Taylor's brand new Cadillac and 17 other songs that touch upon jazz, ska, reggae, pop, both looking backward and looking forward at the same time. It's, of course, one of the greatest albums of any era, any genre, and certainly one of the greatest album openers of all time, London Calling by The Clash. And you know, with that album, the great thing is that it could be called one of the greatest albums of the 70s and one of the greatest albums of the 80s, depending yes, on which side of the pond you're on. Correct. A little bit of weird trivia. And for those of you who don't know it, it was released, what, in December of 79 in the UK? 
It was. And then then January January. of 1980 here in the U.S. Yep. Hence why it was named Rolling Stone's number one album of the 80s. Here in the U.S. Here in the U.S., yes. And then on the other hand, you had, uh, I think The Pretenders was the exact opposite. I think it was released like the last week in 1979 in the U.S. and maybe 1980 in the U.K. Well, I could be flip-flopped on that, too. Could be. Yeah, whatever. But what a great album, too. I've been listening to a lot of Pretenders recently. You're a wise man, Gregory. I know. Just been listening to a lot of uh, female artists or female-fronted bands. you know what? Women rock. Magnapop. Magnapop? I've been listening to a lot of them recently, too, since we had Miss Hopper on the show. Our good friend Linda Hopper. Yes. Shout out to Linda. We got to get Ruthie on the show, too. Both of them. Yes. Let's get both those crazy ladies on this show. Oh, we got to give her fun. Oh, that would oh, be Oh gosh, get the white cloth flowing. <laughs> oh man. Oh, okay, we got to make that happen somehow. Let's, let's make that happen. All right, okay. Okay. Uh, see, sometimes you just put things into the ether and the universe and then Brett makes it happen. So Stroke it's awesome. of genius T.O. Greg. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, at number 2 for me this week of the best album openers is from a band I've expressed my fanboy love for in the past. Now, the album and this song helped shape my music choices my whole life, and it's just a big power pop icon. The song, Let the Good Times Roll, was the first song on the Cars' great debut album. It was released in 1978, and once the album got its legs, Let the Good Times Roll was just one of the many hits. But if that was the very first song you heard from the Cars like myself, you're still in awe. Let the good times roll. Let Good Times Roll, runner-up on my list of the best album openers. And what a great album that 1978 debut was. Heck yeah. That album is iconic in every way. I think you said it best in the past one time. It's basically just the best of album from the Cars. Their very first totally. one. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Every band should be so fortunate to release a debut album like that where every track lands and you can look back at it and go, man, every single song on here is a classic. And... We said that, you know, it's it's basically like a Cars Greatest Hits album or Best Of, but then you think of all of the hits and great tracks the Cars had after that, and it's pretty mind-boggling. Yeah, what a great band. You know, I know they're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and everything, but I don't think they get all the due credit that they deserve. I think that people don't realize what an influence they had yeah. and still have on a lot of different people in different genres, too. I mean, you got yep. New Wave, you got... I mean, they didn't know how to even... I guess categorize them. They were new wave, they were punk, they were classic rock, they were this, they were that. Mm-hmm. You know, the only thing that I, jazz. I don't think they landed on the jazz genre charts at all. Oh, they were swinging cats though. They sure. were though, absolutely. They were hip. All right. Yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you're absolutely right though, and there are precious few bands, and I think we talked about this on one episode too. So sorry if we repeat ourselves for any of our Spanish fans out there, <laughs> of which there are many. Anyway. I forget where I was going with that. Oh, there, there are a few bands that really like crossed all of those boundaries, right? And you were as likely to hear them on a top 40 station as you were on your local rock station as you were on your alternative station. And the cars were were one of those. They were all that. Definitely. They were all that. And a, and a bag of chips. And a bag of Doritos. Hmm. Yeah. Good chips. Not the cool ranch. It is the only Three Lads podcast. Ranch what? Not the cool ranch garbage. No, 
No. Original nacho. Those are good, yeah. Yeah. All right. Sorry, Greg. That's okay. Go ahead. It's the as only, you were. It's the Only Three Lads podcast. Now, as you heard, our friend, he was on vacation. He lives in Portugal. He went to Spain. A beautiful woman walked up to him and said, you listen to that podcast too? So you got to show your love. Be part of the community. Go to our Facebook page. We have a shop there. It helps the podcast. It helps uh, build the community uh, by promoting, you know, when you're walking around, people are like, what's that? What's that? Because there's not a whole lot of places people are talking about classic alternative music. So I think we got a good little niche here. And if you get one of those t-shirts, show your pride. You never know who's a beautiful woman, a beautiful man. Anybody may walk up to you and say, you listen to that podcast too. You'll make friends. And... We do have our very limited edition that we're going to have to take down before um, too long. We do have a limited edition Che t-shirt. So head there and get it and stick around because our top album opener is coming up after this. Thirty years after its release, the former baby on Nirvana's iconic Nevermind album cover, Spencer Eldon is suing the band for child pornography and profiting for years from his naked image. Eldon's attorney states that he has suffered permanent harm from the image and that he hasn't met anyone who hasn't seen his, uh, junk. Othriel's Uncle Greg replies, Oh yeah, that's what I call a normal Tuesday. In other news, we honor the memories and offer condolences for the musicians that we've lost this week. One of the greatest drummers in history, Charlie Watts from the Rolling Stones, reggae and dub pioneer Lee Scratch Perry, and UB40 founding member and songwriter Brian Travers. Your contributions to the music that we dearly love will forever live on. You guys are snobs. No, we're not. No, seriously, you're totally elitist. You feel like the unappreciated scholars, so you shit on the people who know less than you. No, no which is everybody. Yeah. Yes. It's just sad. That's all. Thanks for sticking around to this episode number 75 of the Only Three Lads podcast, where we take a look at the golden age of alternative music from 1974 to 1999. I am Uncle Greg. We also have the rockter, Brett Vargo. We're talking about our top five album openers and already a lot of homework from brett um, for me uh because now i want to hear these albums if even if i do knew, you know know the song that you were talking about yeah me too you're so passionate about it that it's like hmm i had better check that out again or for the first time that's what this is all about right we we either rediscover things that we had forgotten about or it gives us you know a fresh perspective that makes you want to listen to that song or that album or that band maybe hopefully you discover something for the first time and maybe they become one of your favorites well that's like recently um i was telling you a twist in my sobriety what's the name of that yeah. artist tanita tickram i would have never even known how to say her name one of the one of the funnest names to pronounce it, yeah sure but i remember <laughs> the song and i remember the video and i remember because like sometimes i'll get like this melody in my head or the hook or and I've been looking all over for it, but I've actually found songs from that, you know, what you talked about or, you know, other people I've talked about on this podcast and gone back. And that's the song I was looking for. And yeah. it takes me back to a place. That's the great thing about classic alternative music. First of all, it's great music. And I think a lot of it stands the test of time. That's how great it is. But also just as an individual, it takes you back to a certain chapter of your life, maybe where you didn't have a mortgage, you didn't have problems, you hadn't have met that wild person who, you know, drove you nuts. Uh, so your life was a little bit simpler. 
and it takes yes. you back there and it feels good. It feels good. Well, you've introduced me to a lot of things that maybe I didn't really pay attention to the first time around. So I'm glad because even if something isn't up my alley, I enjoy the opportunity to reappraise it and, you know, maybe discover that, you know, it wasn't that bad after all. I have over the years <laughs> often been accused of being a, a bit of a musical snob, shall we say. I know you all find that hard to believe. No way. I don't believe it. I know. I know. Like I was talking earlier, you know, I was in such a Britpop haze in the 90s that I had really no time. It was like, America, what are you, a bunch of flannel wearing, you know, grungies? I didn't have any time for it. So I just kind of shut myself off. So I'm not intimately familiar with a lot of the, the 90s American music. So this is a good good chance. If I appreciate you, like, you, Greg. Oh, well, thank you. Well, that's like with that, you know, I really miss the tone of guitars from the 90s. You know, how, yeah. like, let's say like Eve's Plum, you know, the way they always started and that just that crunchy in your face guitar. Cherub Rock from uh, Smashing Pumpkins, another great guitar riff that when you hear that, you're like, wow, I want to hear that again. I would love for a band to kind of just get that that crunchy guitar in your face and, you know, eat it. Mm. All right. I'm going to throw out something totally random here, Greg. All right. But I think you would like it. Are you familiar with Poppy? Poppy. Poppy. Is she the, like, YouTube or uh, TikTok? Yes. Yes, my son has introduced me to her. Okay. I think she had this whole shtick where she pretended to be a robot or something. Right. I don't know. Just, just weird, bizarre. I mean... Stuff that, whatever, it's it's just pure stupidity, and you mm -hmm. wonder how vapid this culture can be. She started making music, and I think it started with, like, techno pop, and, you know, she eventually, I think her last album was kind of like a metal album. Well, she's got some new songs out just in the last few months that very much sound like, uh, like 90s kind of grunge pop, kind of like whole type stuff. Okay, okay. And I think you would really actually dig it. I'll have to listen to it her latest song I, I don't remember what it's called but it's pretty good <laughs> well her her first videos were like this one where it says I am poppy I am poppy yeah, and my son is like dude do I have to take you for therapy? What are you listening to this for? Over. This is horrible. What's what's wrong with you, kids? I sound like the old man in the front yard yelling at the kids Whoa. in the neighborhood. What? Uh, what? This sucks. What are you doing? You know. And then uh, so I'll have to check it out. I haven't heard any of her new stuff, but I do know that a lot of these internet stars, or you know, like people who you know have never played a live show, they're all over the place. You know, mm -hmm. they've they've really built a good fan base by being consistent and doing things and you know hanging out with people on the internet and that's just another great thing the community of the internet has brought us all closer and we all just kind of figured out hey wait we're all pink on the inside right and um that's what's so cool i think about it but i'll have to listen to poppy i haven't i've never heard anything that would make me want to listen to anything from her but maybe yeah. this is new and different go oh, check it out you might dig it all right will do yes all, all right. right number one of your album openers well, I am not pink on the inside. I wear black on the outside because black is how I feel on the inside. But if we took That's a, a Morrissey line. I was Unlovable. Say. But anyway, my number one choice is not the Smiths. So that is not a clue in any way. So I'm going to bookmark my list with another perfect mission statement to lead off a classic album. And this one is I Want to Be Adored by the Stone Roses from 1989. 
The song opens with a slow burn, fading up to Manny's insistent bass throb and atmospherics that evoke sinking into the depths of hell, I say. It continues to build with John Squire's staccato rhythm guitar, followed by slithering lead licks before Rennie jumps in with a light pattern of kick and hi-hat. You can feel the pressure rise from a simmer to a rolling boil to an eruption of fire and brimstone by the time the snare drum snaps into the meat of the song. It's a huge cavernous sound that sounds eerie and anthemic at the same time. Ian Brown is self-assured and positively possessed, playing off the age-old musical legend of Robert Johnson going down to the crossroads to sell his soul to the devil in exchange for fame. But in Brown's case, he makes it clear, I don't have to sell my soul, he's already in me. Well, that's a pretty harrowing thought, but it's a lot like the Oasis track Rock and Roll Star in that you know exactly what they want, and in the Roses case, they can convey that with very few words. I don't have to sell my soul, he's already in me, I wanna be adored. All right, that pretty much sums up the song. <laughs> Oasis were definitely taking notes, of course, on this one, but whereas Oasis really only paints with one very loud color, what the Roses do right in I Want to Be Adored is that they allow enough room for tension to build and Brown to get more pleading and emphatic as the song goes on. It's one thing to sing I Want to Be Adored, but then to reach a sermon-like intensity by imploring that you adore me and ultimately that I gotta be adored over a crescendoing musical bed is otherworldly and very prophetic. Roses would, for a short time, be adored like very few bands in history have, culminating with that legendary gig at Spike Island, but it wouldn't be possible to sustain such great heights. But even if they had only left us with one near-perfect debut album with a perfect opening track, that would have been enough to cement their place in rock and roll history and at the top of my list this week. So I do adore the Stone Roses, and I most definitely adore I Want to Be Adored. Great pick. Thank you. I thought it was a good one. I heard that song. My internal dialogue was playing. I want to be adored the whole time you're talking about it. Ooh, going, yup, yeah. there's that part. Yup, there's that part. Yep. And I think it was more of the fight with the record label that kind of derailed them, you know, because yeah, that's, it was. you know, because they were at the heights and, you know, kind of you got to make hay when the sun's shining. And then they were kind of, uh, you know, put off to the same thing happened with No Doubt and with um, Bush. Yeah. They, they were put on the sidelines for about two years. No Doubt came back. They, Took off right where they left off. Bush, Razor Blade Suitcase, a lot of great songs, but definitely it, they were down on the other side of the, you know, the back side of the mountain heading down after that yep. layoff. And they never reached the heights that they did on 16 Stone. Yeah. And like in the Roses case, I like Second Coming. It could never reach the heights of the debut. And I don't think they really had any interest in, in trying. I mean, it was a completely different vibe, but I wonder what they could have done had they have been able to keep going with the momentum that they had built around mm -hmm. 1989, 1990. It probably would have been something totally different because that whole time you're fighting, it's just like, I don't know, let's say you're at a job and it's, everything's going great, then they change everything. They change the, the commission structure. 
and then everyone yeah. complains about it, and then everyone, okay, we're going to go back to the uh, this new, or we're going to change the commission structure. You never have that same motivation, I think. Right. You know, so I, maybe I don't, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about, but maybe some therapist does. But I just think that, you know, yeah, if when, when you're on a high, you're, you got to keep going. You know, that's like actors who are on, let's say, some TV show, and they get real famous, and now they want to be in the movies. And you'd never hear from them again. Uh, David Caruso. Is that the guy's name from... Uh, uh, who is he? X-Files? No. X- who no, was he in? No. Uh, NCIS or something like that. He was one of those shows. Oh. All right. I don't know. He was like I'll take your guy. word for it. I'm, again... Cop I, rock. I am horrible with names. Horrible with uh, um, celebrity stuff. I did a, um, a, a personality test because I had my insomnia and my headaches this week. So yeah. about 2.30 in the morning, I took a personality test, and I found out what personality out of these 16 I am. Oh, do tell. Um, le- le- logician, I think is the way it's pronounced. So it's like... That's a cross between a lesbian and a magician. Exactly. See? Yes. Look, you, you must I be, get you, Greg. Yeah. Abracadabra. <laughs> I love boobies. We're all pink on the inside. I love boobies. Yeah. I love boobies. That's going to get me fired from a job 10 years from now, right there, just saying that. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, and it basically said that this personality type hates anything celebrity. Not that I hate it, but it's just, it's stupid. That's like at, at work this week, they were talking about uh, professional athletes and why they get paid so much. I wonder why. I wonder why. I said, because they're entertainers. Sports doesn't mean anything. Sports is just entertainment. Yep. And they, like these sports guys are looking at me like, you know, I, I must be having an aneurysm. Sports is life. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, it's just How dare you, Greg? I said, you know, they put butts in seats. They sell jerseys. You know, they're, they're, they're adored. Um, it's just entertainment. And these guys did not get what I was talking about. So, I don't know. Well, when I was yelling at the TV during the Angels Padre series, I, I kind of get it. But, yeah, but, but you're absolutely right. Ultimately, yeah. it, it means squat. Well, I have a very small circle of friends, uh, this community, and you are in it. Um, I, I don't watch hardly any TV. My, remember my house flooded with a monsoon yeah. storm about two weeks ago. Uh, everything is still in the middle of the floor. My brother came over because this is where he watches TV. He's like, you don't have your TV plugged in again. I go, yeah, I, 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 I don't really watch TV. The only thing that where I feel connected is music. So that's where I spend most of my time listening to music and trying to say, oh, what's this? What's that? Let's go back and listen. And I'll tell you what, this week, this is how eclectic or um, schizophrenic my music is. I was listening to YouTube and I had Mama Cass, uh, Dream a Little Dream of Me. And right after that, Ice Cube, No Vaseline. (laughs) So talk about differences in music, but that's, that's what YouTube, you know. That's the uh, list that they give me. And so it's kind of wow, funny. That's like the radio station in my mind of my <laughs> dreams. <laughs> oh, is it really? Yeah. It is. Dream a little dream of me and to no Vaseline. Oh, it's yeah. just so eclectic. It's just so weird. My taste in music. Well, speaking of taste in music. Yes. My number one album opener proves that grunge music, it's Genesis, wasn't in Seattle. It was in Amherst, Massachusetts. I think that you know where I'm going with this. I have said this before. I come from the grungy side of the tracks, a uh, lower middle class, blue collar neighborhood growing up. So if it was like the movies, The Outsiders, I came from the greasers. I was a greaser. That's that. That's the, the streets that I lived on. Now, 
uh, I always feel we're just talking about this, but it's like I like I don't belong anywhere. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, um, when my friends were blasting Iron Maiden, Black Sabbath, Led Zeppelin, uh, you know, Judas Priest, Blue Collar, Heavy Metal, which I still love today, I thought there must be more. Then I went to a party on the Socia's side of the street, and I've told the story before, I stole a cassette. And that cassette was Pixie's Doolittle album, and that very first song I heard from them, Debaser, parted the clouds and let the light shine through. And all of a sudden, I didn't feel so alone. And I knew my tribe existed. I just had to find them. And I think I found them now with the Only Three Lads podcast. But I'll tell you this. Debaser is what just changed my whole world at that time. Still love it. Doolittle, one of my favorite albums. And it all because um, I was being a thief. Which I'm not proud yes. of. And I've, uh, I've, I've uh, atoned for that. But uh, that's, that's the truth. So there's my truth. Number one, Debaser from the pixies well thank you for your candor <laughs> i mean fevery is not all bad then yeah I, there was a, mostly yeah. it's mostly bad we don't recommend it. i always think of that poor girl who maybe loved that cassette too and went to go take a shower and uh well, where's my cassette? and then your mind went to her taking a shower it goes pretty fast there yeah and then it came back to pixies yeah yeah no she probably upgraded to cd at some point hopefully we'll just say let's go with that so that way you can feel better about yourself. Well, I've given away a lot of music too in my past. You know, then that okay. got me into radio, which Karma. you know where I've uh, helped the Sojourner Center. I've helped a lot of different charities, yeah. and maybe I wouldn't have made it there if it wasn't for the Pixies. Yeah, you were scared straight. Maybe something, <laughs> something like <Maybe>. that. <laughs> you know, one thing we never talked about honorable um, mentions. That's the one thing I was just gonna say. Well, first of all, I would like to say that I got three out of your five. All right. I thought you would pick Ramones. I almost did. I saw that on there. With the, okay. Uh, yeah. You and then I it. thought there was a chance you might also pick I Want to Be Adored. Really? But the other the other three, uh, the other three Nirvana, Pixies, and The Cars I got. I figured. No. I'm so as far as my honorable mentions, well, I almost, I almost cheated and picked a twofer because you know the track by the by the Canadian band, The Kings. Yeah. This beat goes on and switch into glide. They're kind of all merge into one medley. But then I thought that might be cheating because they're technically two songs. Uh, so I had that. I had the Seabirds by the Triffids, Pulp's Misshapes, Mojo Pin by Jeff Buckley, uh, Precious by the Pretenders, Airbag by Radiohead. I will dare by the replacements. I could go on and on. Well, I can and too, because like Allison Chains, them bones, Tool, Stink Fist, I thought was great. Uh, off Nothing Shocking, Jane's Addiction was Stop. That was a great song, which a uh, great album too. Uh, you were talking about two first Queen, We Will Rock You, We Are the Champions. Mm -hmm. Could have yeah. picked that one. It's another one that goes together. Uh, Living Color, Cult of Personality. Remember that? Yeah. God, that mm -hmm. was a great, great one. And so those are my honorable mentions this week. All right. Grand, grand old lists. I love our list this week. And if you have a list, make sure make it over to the Facebook page, like our page if you haven't done that yet. Uh, make sure and hit the bell for the notification. Please share our post so that more people could come to the party and leave your list of your top five album openers. I'm sure some of them will probably have crossovers with us. Maybe you come on. 
think something. No, they should have picked this one. Tell us. We'd love to hear it. Yeah. Tell us we're morons. We could totally take it. I mean, after a few tears. No, you know, I think it's good. Uh, Different thoughts are always good for people. And if people, like, you know, uh, your critics, I, I, you know, was it Heath Ledger? I saw something on social media that your biggest, the person who supports you the most you've never met, and your biggest hater is somebody you know. Mm. So if we get people's like, hey, why don't you guys do this? Or wouldn't it be better if this? Or go ahead, man, tell us what, what, yeah. what, what you want, what we're looking for. He must know my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Your wife puts up with you. Miss Vargo. Marital humor. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. Thank God she doesn't listen. And occasionally when she, when she does, she, you know, you could just see the look in her eyes. Like, why did I listen to this? Yeah, you're like, um, it was It was when we were talking about two pump chumps. <laughs> she heard that one. And, why are you hanging out with she's this like, Uncle I can't Greg believe guy. you're you're talking about this. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I think in every relationship you have to have couple goals and individual goals. And this is yes. an individual one for you. This is an individual goal. I get it. We aim to entertain and educate. There should be a third thing. Entertain, educate. Oh, and and uh, uh, turn all the uh, Spanish mujeres on. But um, you know, <laughs> that just comes with the territory, I guess. I guess so. Is there anything else you want? Oh, wait, we got to hit the randomizer. Uh, let's let's run down our list. Oh, that's right. See, look at me. All right. So my number five was Oasis Rock and Roll Star. Number four, Talking Heads, Born Under Punches. Number three, Elvis Costello, No Action. Number two, The Clash, London Calling. Number one, The Stone Roses, I Want to Be Adored. And for me at number five, Nirvana Smells Like Teen Spirit. Just wanted to get it out of the way. Number four, Red Hot Chili Peppers with Around the World. Number three, Smashing Pumpkins, Cherub Rock. Number two, The Cars with Good Times Roll. And my number one album opener, Pixies. The bass are off Doolittle. Now let's hit that randomizer, which I conveniently have ready. Look at that. Episode 75. And it finally is up. This was episode 75, so on episode 76. Okay, well, this will be a fun one, I think. Because we're hitting the, the peak of summer, uh, This is the next episode is going to come out right after Labor Day. If you're listening to real time, you think about hit songs. So, how about the top five number one hits? So, here's the wrinkle that I have in my, in my head. A song that hit any chart right. anywhere in the world. Like is Alternative, game. Dance, uh, Billboard yes. Top 200. Just had to be number one on a chart. The number one polka song in the Netherlands. All right. Well, which, which probably falls out of our genre, I guess. But, yes. Classic alternative. <laughs> Let me tell you, polka would be totally alternative. I'm sure oh, there is. totally. I think that there could be some sort of polka out there in early alternative music. Hmm. You'll have to find it. Well, I mean, if you're a Weird Al fan. Well, know, there you go. A lot of polka. There you go. I'm not. Although I did, I did like the movie UHF, I will say. Yeah, see, and right there, if, if you can't like his music, but like that movie. Yeah. You're demented. There's something there. Well, please don't forget, head over to the Facebook page, like our page. Our episodes come out every Tuesday morning, and we are very consistent about that. Brett does a great job, puts these things oh. together. And uh, is there anything else that we got to say before we leave? All I want to say is I thank you all for making this happen. You know, Greg, you mentioned last week that we would do this even if we didn't have you know a single person living or living, listening. Fortunately, we haven't killed anybody as far <laughs> as I know during the making of this show. But I enjoy hanging out with you, Greg. I love talking about music obviously, but the fact that people that 
we don't know. People in Spain, I mean, people all around the world have tuned in in some way to this show. I mean, it is just an awesome and overwhelming thought. So I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you, everybody who has listened to us and let us into your lives. And I would agree with that. But this is the one thing that I would say. We may not have met those people, but we know them because we feel the same thing with the music that we listen to. And even it's not maybe exactly the same thing, but we all feel for the same music. So we kind of know who each other are a little bit. Different experiences, but a mm-hmm. shared collective love of this music that we talk about. So we, we, we share a vibration. We do. That's deep. That's very cosmic. I just came to be. I think the universe just put wow. that in my brain. Ooh. Wow. Man. All right. All right. I better go drink. <laughs> Thank you, you too much. Strike while the iron's hot, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> well, until next week, we will wave hello and say goodbye. The theme music is Frequency, written and performed by yours truly, Brett Vargo. Any other music in this episode is presented solely for purposes of review, examination, and news reporting. If you like what you hear, go to your record store and pick up the LP, CD, cassette, or 8-track, or stream it if you're one of those newfangled fancy pants. If we're lucky enough to still have these artists with us, go out and see some live music. For the latest updates, join the O3L community at facebook.com slash only3lads. We want to hear from you. And while you're at it, click on the Shop Now link for the coolest threads. Until next time, thanks for listening. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.